Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the Believe in Giants podcast with Giants legend Carl Banks and broadcaster Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Tell a friend and tell a friend. Bob Hopper with two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. Banksy, how are you today? I am well. Busy, but okay. And there's someone busier than us, so yeah, let's, let's get the party in. started. Let's welcome in the head coach of the New York Giants, Brian Dable, who is the 20th head coach in the history of the franchise. Sunday, they go to Tennessee to take on the Titans in his first game, and uh I know you got a lot of I's and a lot of T's to cross as you get closer to Sunday. Um, how just how do you feel everything's been playing out for you as far as organizationally? Yeah, well, in, in terms of this week, we've had a good week. We've had a couple good days of practice, some good walkthroughs. Uh, today the is the players' days off. Days is off, but they've been here and rehab and and taking care of their bodies and, and studying in groups. So. Um, you know, get some some stuff to shore up here tomorrow and Friday's practice, but uh, it's been a good week. Educate us on, uh, because, you know, normally Monday or Tuesday, players get a day off. Uh, for this week, how'd you come up with this schedule? Well, it's a schedule that, that the Bills have used the last few years, and, uh, you know, the players really liked it. They felt they were fresh. Um, I thought it'd be a good thing to carry over here, and, um you know, there's been good reviews in terms of, of the players today, getting some extra town time, taking care of their bodies a little bit more, massages, acupuncture, stretching, um, all those type of things that, that help a player's body. Coach, as you prepare for this game and you obviously everything that you've done to, to some degree has pointed towards the opening uh, game of the season. Did you sprinkle in any concepts that you would be seeing from the Titans throughout the OTAs, mini camps, and training camp? Uh, we really focused on our stuff, Banks. Um, you know, defensively, offensively, it's tough. You know, you're in a new, new systems. You want to make sure you really focus on yourself and taking care of your fundamentals, executing your techniques. Um, and again, I know we've been going against offensively a, a, a defense that's rather unique, but um, you know, we've gotten good work in, and I always think the first game, you can you can overdo things. And all I ask the coaches to do is, look, we're, we're not going to sit up here and put a bunch of new plays in uh, that we haven't worked in spring and, and in training camp because I don't think that's fair to do to the players early on. I want them to know what to do, play fast, go out there confident, um, and that's what we're going to try to do. Hey, Coach, on Sunday, um, you're going against Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans. Now, you're a young coach on the Patriots staff. You have aspirations and dreams. Hey, one day I'm going to get a chance to be a head coach. Vrabel's a player on the damn team. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Did you think that, you know, even being around him, that, you know, this guy could be a future outstanding head coach, which he's become? Yeah, well, I mean, I never – it's not surprising. You know, he was such a smart player. he was always kind of one step ahead of everybody in terms of recognizing things uh, that the offense was doing. He was a great communicator, a great leader. There was you know, a lot of great players on those teams that I was fortunate to be part of, um, you know, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. When you look at Ty Law and Bruschi and Pfeiffer and, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, McGinnis, 
Seymour. Uh, Seymour, Will Four. I mean, there was just there was a lot of a lot of good players, but the thing that stood out about Vrabel is, you know, whenever coach asked questions in the meetings or you're on a practice field, Vrabel was always the first one, you know, popping off and, and knew the answer. Coach, as you look forward to uh Sunday, there are characteristics that a lot of teams have. And you talk about Brable. Do this team reflect his toughness um, on the field? Like the way they play, is it kind of a uh, a reflection of how they're coached in, in the coach's mentality? Yeah, I would say so. You know, Brable was a, a tough player. Um, he had a tough mindset. He was mentally tough. He was physically tough. And you know, that shows in his team, uh, really in all three areas of of how they play the game. They're physical at the line of scrimmage on both sides. They cover kicks well. Um, they can run the ball. They can stop the run. Um, you know, it's a really good team, and it's a really tough team. So when you go through your checklist, Coach, and I'm going to just kind of jump ahead to the game and you know, there are certain things that you do on your checklist. You talk to your players, you talk to your coaches, and some of those things are, are you know, minimize penalties, right? Play smart, play hard, play tough. Uh, field position is yep. always a key tenant to all coaches. And then there's this thing called time of possession. And yep. that's important. And correct me if I'm wrong, in a game like this, against a guy like Henry, who as the game goes on, he gets stronger and stronger. Is it safe to say in terms of complementary football that a good offense will help your defense, meaning time of possession? Yeah, well, I think scoring would help the most. Um, <laughs> yeah. Going on there and finishing drives and putting it in the end zone. But, you know, Brable's been there a long time, and that's certainly been something when, when they control the time of possession they usually come out with the win. You know, our focus is is really going to be playing with, you know, executing our assignments, Carl. And if we can go down there and, you know, put some points on the board and, you know, stop them, that's going to be the biggest thing and control field position. Um, you know, time of possession uh, is important, but I would say that, you know, again, the two biggest ones, which is a job of a defense to stop them and the job of an offense is to score. Um, that's what we're going to try to do our best at. Speaking of the offense, Coach, um, you know, Daniel Jones has talked about, you know, the rough parts about the beginning of trying to learn another new offense and how things have kind of smoothed over. As you've had a chance to work with him now through the spring and the summer and you get ready for the start of the season, what are some of the things that have most impressed you about him leading into the season? I'd say, uh, well, he's talented. Um, just the, this, he's big, he's got a good arm, he's accurate, he's athletic. Uh, two is he's he's a very consistent person, and I think that's important. You know, playing that spot and coaching in this league is there's going to be ups and downs, whether that's from a practice to a practice in training camp, whether that's from a game to a game. I think in order to be a, a good leader uh, and a good player in this league, you got to be able to, you know, have some awareness about yourself in terms of not getting too high or too low and. He really does a good job with that. And then the third thing I'd say is he's he's a good leader. I think his players, uh, the players on the team, really respect him. Um, you know, he has a, a lot, a lot of votes for captain. Uh, I think they appreciate the way he goes about his business. And 
Uh, he's smart. You know, he helps the other players out in the huddle on the offensive side of the ball. And he's got a good relationship with the defensive guys. Coach, in, 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 in talking about the quarterback, is it important that they play fearless, meaning not afraid to make mistakes? I know you talk about uh, when you, you dealt with Josh in Buffalo, one of the biggest things you say, don't dwell on the mistake. Let's just keep sure. moving forward and be fearless about the way you play the game. Yeah, I, I, you know, aggressive, not reckless. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you, you have to trust in, in your preparation. You have to trust your eyes. You have to know the timing of your feet. And, you know, when there's a read that says to, to go there, let it, let it go. Um, you can't be afraid to make a mistake, although you, have, you can't be reckless, which is uh, there's a fine balance with that playing that position. Um, make the right decision is what you know, we preach to, to Daniel, whether that's you know, a 60-yard pass or taking a sack, um, being really good and understanding the situation. Uh, but again, I think you have to have that mindset when you're playing that position, at least the good ones that I've been around. Um, it's not all going to be perfect, but try to make the best decision you can for, for the offense. You touch the ball every time, and if something does go wrong, there's when that level head goes in. But, uh, yeah, I'd say be aggressive. Coach, you got five rings in the NFL and a sixth at the University of Alabama. Uh, so you've been in a lot of different places. You've experienced a lot of different things. You've worked for a, a lot of different head coaches. But share, our, share with the fans here on uh, Believe in Giants a little bit. When you first broke into the league, you weren't even on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Talk um, a little bit about that and how it helped you and how you wound up on offense. Yeah, well, I played uh, I played at a Division three school at the University of Rochester. I was a, a free safety, believe it or not. Oh, you can't tell by the build right now. but um, And then I had the opportunity to go to William & Mary down in Virginia and didn't get paid, but a guy by the name of Russ Huseman, um, you know, was the defensive coordinator. And that's how I got my foot in the door, um, meeting him and interviewing with him and then stayed there for, for the season. And then sent about a, a bunch of letters out and, you know, went to banks of school at Michigan state, um, worked for coach Saban for two years, again, on the defensive side of the ball. And he had just left, um, the year I think we went ten and two, I think it was ten and two, um, beat Florida in the Gator Bowl, but uh, Citrus Bowl, should I say? Uh, Nick went to LSU, and I had you know a decision to make: go down and be a graduate assistant at LSU on defense again. And I was really trying to get into the NFL, and that's when Belichick got the job at New England. Um, so I went and interviewed there. You know, Nick got me in contact with Bill. Um, interview was a long process. I interviewed with, I don't know how many other guys that interviewed for the position. There were a lot of them. Um, ended up fortunately getting that job. Uh, and then I was on defense there and, you know, Nick and Bill had worked together. You know, Nick was Bill's defensive coordinator. Um, so there was some similarities with being a graduate assistant for Nick and the playbook and, and the things that, you know, they did there at Spartyville. Um, Stayed there, did that for a year, and then did it again for another year. Got a chance to work with the safeties a little bit more than just, you know, breaking down film and things like that. And, um, you know, there was a – tried to do the best job I could. Um, there was a job – there was a, a coach on our staff beginning of that season. 
uh, God rest his soul. He was here too. Dick Rabine was a quarterback coach, and he passed away during camp. So he never hired another coach on the offensive side of the ball. And um, at the end of that year, after the Super Bowl, um, there was a spot that was going to be created in receivers, and Ivan Fears was going to move the running backs, and um, Bill promoted me. So there was a lot to learn. You know, I, Charlie Weiss really helped me out a lot with you know, learning the offense that we ran there. And Ivan Fears was running back coach, Dante Skarnacki, an offensive line coach. Um, you know, just as a young coach that was on defense for five years and trying to learn the, the system and uh, learn techniques of receivers. You know, I'd say the other guys that helped me were the, were the veteran receivers. You know, Troy Brown, who's there right now, that works with the receivers. And David Patton, who, God rest his soul, passed away in a motorcycle accident this past summer. Um, great friends of mine. But they were, you know, you can learn a lot from players. There's a, it's a business that's full of egos. And I think that, you know, you just take a step back and you can learn from a lot of different people, a lot of different things. And, um, you know, I'm thankful every day for those veterans, of Troy Brown, and David Patton, along with the, the offensive staff at New England and, and obviously Coach Belichick, who gave me that opportunity, um, you know, to have my first chance of, of coaching a position. Coach, as the league has evolved, what has shaped your offensive philosophy? Because you've been a part of, you know, some pretty dynamic offenses, not only at New England, but when you were calling the plays yourself, being a safety, being on the defensive end, obviously you knew some of the, the fault lines in defense and the way that the league is set up now to play. But were there any other influences in your, your style of, of, of philosophy? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, as a young coach, you, you kind of learn one way to do it. And, you know, I thought, you know, offense that we ran at, at New England for all those years was so conducive to, to Tom and the rest of the players. And Charlie did such a good job. And, you know, it is a pretty expansive playbook. Um, so then I went, you know, and when I became a coordinator, I kind of just used that offense, if you will. Uh, and I, you know, things that I've learned in the past is you really got to do a good job of trying to adjust to the players. Um, so every year I try to tinker with, with different things, but I'd say the one interesting place that I went was Alabama um, and got to coach there for a year and really learn a lot about some different aspects of the games that weren't really prevalent in the NFL um, during the time I was in there. And I think that's just the way football is going, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, heck, when you played, you know, you're not running the quarterback a whole bunch. Um, but I think there's different ways, you know, you got to be smart about it. Um, but the RPO game, the, the quarterback run game, uh, if your quarterback can do it, you know, and if you can't do it, then you don't do it. But that just adds another element. So when I got to Buffalo and we had drafted Josh, you know, this offense, it wasn't, I just didn't take an offense and put it together. I had all these places that I've been. It was a work in progress. You know, the, the first year, you know, Josh played, I think, 11 games, something like that. But, you know, we grew comfortable with each other uh, on the field, giving them the play, but also off the field. Um, you know, he's just a great friend of mine. He And he offered a lot of stuff that he liked or didn't like. And as we grew each year, we evolved the offense to, to suit, you know, Josh, to be honest with you. And we also added pieces, Carl, like, you know, Diggs and 
Cole Beasley and Smoke and Emmanuel Sanders and drafted, you know, Gabe Davis and had Isaiah McKenzie and Dawson Knox and um, Devin Singletary in the line. So, you know, just to, you know, it takes a little while you know, to get it to where exactly you need to have it. Uh, it just doesn't happen overnight. There was a lot of trial. There were a lot of errors. Um, but each year we kind of grew it, you know, together, all of us, you know, the players, the coaches, the assistant coaches, myself, the head coach. Um, and, you know, we're just at the beginning stages now of, of, you know, trying to figure out what works best for the Giants, most importantly. One of the things, Coach, so we- that you're great at is uh, team building. And uh, not just team. But within the organization, Carl, I know you could attest to this. I mean, you're around, you're visiting with different people within the building. I mean, half the time in the morning, you got your wife, Beth, on, who's very important. You got her on FaceTime and you're talking. Why is that so important to you, to, to be human? Well, I, I think everyone is responsible for something in the organization. Everybody has a job to do and everybody's job is important. Uh, and you... I think you should recognize that, um, but not just as a professional, not just, you know, because they're a, the vice president of marketing or the head equipment person or the trainer. It's because, you know, people are what makes this business go um, from all aspects, you know, from, again, media department, strength staff, uh, assistants, scouting staff. I think, you know, I'm just a, a person that grew up. Um, you know, I was raised by two grandparents that, you know, I try to do the right thing. They instilled it in me a long time ago and, you know, treating people the right way and making sure you make them feel important uh, is just something that was instilled in me at a young age from, from those two old hats. And coach, when you, you talk about making fe- people feel human and there's a trust element to that, and if we could tie that back to the guys that you're directly responsible for on the field, you got rookies playing um, yeah. this first game, right? Yeah. Can you talk about the element of trust and maturity that a guy like Evan Neal or Rondell Robinson has that, number one, the, the, the uh, reciprocal trust and the fact that you feel so comfortable that it's not necessarily a necessity because if they're not ready to go, you're not going to put them in. But you got, you know, those two guys are going to be major parts of your career moving forward, God willing. Yeah, I think that that really starts back with the process of um, evaluating these players. And it starts with Joe and the scouting staff of getting the information that they get um, when they initially start to, to look at these players and making sure they have the right, you know, DNA, so to speak, for, for our giant culture. And, you know, then they give the information to the coaches and, and you go through that whole process that takes a while from, you know, February at the combine and March and April and, and the Zoom calls that you have with them. And you try to dig deep and figure out, you know, what makes those players tick, uh, both as players and as people, and make sure they're the right kind of people that you want to have in the organization. And, you know, I just, you know, I credit Joe and the, the scouting staff uh, for all the work that they did leading up to the draft and then and the selections of the draft. When you have good young players that have talent, but also have the right mindset that are, you know, I'd say mature beyond their years, if you will, you know, they're going to have some hiccups here and there. We're all going to have them uh, starting with me probably most, but uh, they're the right kind of people 
that come to work every day, that love the game of football, that, that treat people the right way, uh, that love to practice, um, that just have you know the right DNA for, for what we're trying to do. And I intentionally didn't mention Kayvon Thibodeau because I think there's another set of pressures, if you will, um, of a guy like him because he's coming into a place, he's a highly touted um, draft choice that have there been conversations on the expectations of him having to manage being the top player in the draft, being looked at as you know, the cornerstone of this defense. Have you guys had any conversations on how he should approach that or he no, has taken he's, it off? He's really, he's really come in just like all the other guys. Um, you know, we did all our work on you know, Wondell, Evan, Kayvon, and, you know, they've been, they've been really good um, just off the field, how they are in the meeting rooms, how they are with, with Ashley Lynn in the rookie meetings. Um, Again, I think he's – they've leaned on some of the veteran guys, you know, Dexter and Leo and Shep and Saquon and Daniel, and uh, they've done a good job of of really just keeping their head down and trying to get better. And, you know, Kayvon's a very humble person um, in this building, and he knows he's got a lot to learn. Uh, I'm sure he knows he has talent. I mean, everybody can see he has talent, but – I don't, he knows that talent alone doesn't get it done in this league. Um, And he knows he hasn't played any, you know, he's played a a little bit of a preseason. So I think his approach and how he's handling things, uh, just like all the rookies. And again, I'll give, you know, Ashley, she deals with those guys a lot, those rookies. um, You know, being a pro off the field and in the building uh, really lends yourself to, to putting your best foot forward on the field. All right, so coach, we we know you're you got some time constraints here, but you know, listen, new people come to New York and they get the celebrity VIP seats at Nick Games or Ranger Games. You were all in on that Rangers thing, but like considering where you grew up, I mean, hockey's a passion, right? Yeah. I mean, just talk a little bit about the tie-in between that sport and maybe this sport that you're the head coach of the Giants in. Oh. Uh. Well, I have a lot of respect for those guys. They're, you know, hockey players are pretty tough. Um, I played the, the sport for a while growing up, and you know, I just like watching it. Um, and playoff hockey is is great, and playoff hockey in New York is was unbelievable. Um, so, just became a fan of those guys. I'm, I'm a fan of the sport, um, how they competed, how tough they played. Uh, it was a, you know, it was a fun. It was a fun run they had there. Go ahead, Carl. I know you got one more. Oh, that's it. I, I don't no. want to take up too much more no, of coach's time. Great. So that's good. Well, I know you I, like I, that. I know you and Carl both like to share a, a favorite cigar too every so often, right? Ah, uh, we do. We do. <laughs> What's your favorite? What's your go-to? Or you don't or you're a man of many. 1964 Padron. 19 Yeah, I'm a 1926 26. Yeah. 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 Now, now does Coach Brian Cox just smoke whatever he can get his hands on? As no, big, he, as, he, as big he, as he can go, though. He likes. Uh, those uh, big I'll tell ones. you what. That's exactly right. All right. So, Coach, in wrapping up, I'm going to go back to uh, one more line of questioning. Sure. Non-football related. Okay. 
dead or alive, they don't have to be alive. If you could invite three or four people to just sit down, have adult beverages in a private room where whatever was discussed would never get out, who would you invite? Great question. Well, right now I'd invite my two grandparents because they both died last year. So I'd, I'd like to sit with them after I got this job. Um, right answer. My, grand, my grandfather might pound about 20 beers. My grandmother wasn't much of a drinker. So, um, huh. Michael Jordan. Well, that means he'd bring good cigars too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you I think your grandparents, I think that's a great answer. Actually, yeah. With yeah. them passing. And now here you are the 20th head coach in the history of the giants. Yeah. Will you be nervous yeah. at all on Sunday on that field? Uh, no, I think if look, there's always a feeling you get when you step on a field, uh, whether you're a first-time position coach, first-time coordinator, and now a first-time head coach, where you know it's a little bit of a different feeling. Uh, it was the first preseason game, but I think if you you know you prepare the best you can, you look, you, you, there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes up that you got to be on top of, and. And that's what we're trying to do right now. Um, that's what I'm trying to do is, is try to give our guys the best chance that they can and, and let them go out there and play free. And, um, you know, again, during the week, I think it's, you know, these coaches that are busting their, their butts and putting game plans together and reorganizing game plans and taking things out and putting things together. And, you know, by tomorrow night, um, you know, it should be tied up the way we need it tied up so that the players can go out there. It's a player's game. I've always believed that. And, and Sunday, play fast, play physical. Um, coaches just get the calls in, make the best decision we can, but you know, let the players go out there and, and play. All right, Coach, you want to tell them how we end this thing, Carl? Tell a friend to tell a friend. Tell a friend to tell, tell a friend. friend. Tell a friend. You got it. All right. We appreciate a couple minutes, Coach. Good luck on Sunday, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thanks, Coach. you guys. That's Giants head coach Brian Dable. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Bob Papa, Carl Banks, another edition of Believe in Giants. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.